and welcome to a special Hanukkah edition of Talking Tropes. I'm your host, Hanukkah. And I'm your other host, Davakid. <laughs> um, and today we're talking about the oft-forgotten December holiday specials, the kind that don't really exist anymore, uh, the, the Hanukkah TV specials. Yeah. That they're sort of this weird encapsulation of the, uh, the multiculturalism of the late 90s and early 2000s, the, this push to not have television be so dominated by Christmas as this cultural phenomenon. Uh, and now we're back to everything's Christmas. I mean, the Hallmark movies have truly taken over. Yeah. And now they're on Netflix and they're on, you know, NBC and they're on all of these other places. There's no escaping. The Hallmark movie has, in fact, I think, become sort of the the main way that we experience time now. Uh, the... <laughs> It's their, our main way of processing the passage of time is through Hallmark specials. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a time where there was this push to include others besides the goys. Uh, there was a push to include some some Jewish uh, some Jewish voices, maybe. And uh, there was all of your, your Kwanzaa episodes happened during this time period. And, yeah. you know, any episodes celebrating, you know, oh, we're all celebrating different things on this holiday. They all sort of happen during this time. And there's still, of course, you know, different ways of interpreting Christmas, and those still appear on television. But the, the age of the, the Hanukkah episode, I think, is pretty much done. Yeah, which is, it's it's strange, you know? You would think that <laughs> 2020, when, you know, wokeness and inclusion are, are the liberal agenda that's being shoved down everyone's throat, that, uh, you know, you would seem maybe more of this and maybe people talking about Muslim holidays and Diwali and you know other other uh, cultures but no it's just Christmas. Well I think this is precisely like the cultural evolution that we've experienced and it, it happened in a very short amount of time but the, the sort of realization is yeah. you go hey why is it that during the month of December everyone is only talking about Christmas and then you have the second level realization about halfway through where it's like wait why should we turn Hanukkah into Jew Christmas? That's not, that doesn't make any sense either. <laughs> Hanukkah has nothing to do with Christmas and it only sometimes falls within, you know, a couple weeks of, of Christmas anyway. And then there's all these other holidays that sort of sometimes happen in December, but not always. And then, you know, the atheists, of course, will always try and get in on it and say something like, oh, we're going to celebrate the birth of Isaac Newton on Newtonmas. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's all just still reinforcing that Christmas is the most important cultural holiday in the Western world. And that's, you know, so it doesn't actually challenge anything to, to celebrate Hanukkah like it was Christmas. Right, right. And, you know, it's interesting to talk about celebrating Hanukkah like it's Christmas, uh, especially in the context of these Hanukkah specials that we're, we're going to talk about, because I think, you know, one of the major takeaways that you're going to sort of see is that basically Hanukkah only exists kind of, with very rare exceptions, in within this bubble of how it relates to Christmas, you know? Right. Like, it's very rare to have a purely just Hanukkah-focused episode, you know? Yeah. I mean, to, to start with, like, a little bit of, like, prehistory, like, before the dawn of the Hanukkah episode, you had, yeah, you had sometimes had Jewish characters in sitcoms, but they would always downplay mm -hmm. their Jewishness a lot. Um, the first, like, Jewish family on television was right at the beginning, the Goldbergs, um, and they, you know, they came from radio where ethnic drama was, like, and ethnic sitcoms were kind of the whole deal. And then after that, you don't really get another Jewish-led sitcom until, like, Rhoda in 1974 um and so okay. they would have holiday episodes but she would just say I'm going holiday shopping right and she would just sort of subtly leave out any mention of Christmas or Hanukkah so right right like there's never any forefronting of Hanukkah it's always just a, a like lame inclusion of the fact that there's more than one holiday that exists right now right just I'm going holiday shopping it's the holidays yeah by which we all know she really means it's Christmas time and then there's some other, you know, hop-ons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing the Jews do, whatever that is. Right. And then I think everything really starts to change with SNL, which had, of course, a large Jewish cast. <laughs> um... And a lot of Jews who like Jewish humor, which is just humor with the word Jew slapped on it. Um, 
<laughs> and so thus comes uh, Hanukkah Harry, the sketch starring John Lovitz, yeah. uh, where he presents himself as an alternative to Santa Claus for the Jews. And he's a Jewish stereotype. And he comes into the house and he gives Hanukkah style presents. So there's this aligning of Christmas and Hanukkah again. Hanukkah Harry has to save the day because Santa is sick, but he brings the Jewish kind of presents. You know, we have eight days of presents, but we don't only get socks and right. sweaters and boring gifts, whereas the, you know, the the Gentiles get toys and magic and, uh, right. and lots of fun things. <laughs> and, uh, and then after that, you have another SNL sketch. Right? Uh, yeah. The, the, this iconic yes. Hanukkah sketch. I think it's the the only Hanukkah song that people know of, probably, besides, like, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. And it's the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song, Eight Crazy Nights, which would eventually later inspire a very terrible movie that we'll talk about eventually. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, it has the line, Eight Crazy Nights, but I think the title of the song... Oh, that's right. It's, it's, it's just the Hanukkah song, right? The Hanukkah song, where yeah. the joke is is there's no good songs for Hanukkah. That's the joke. And so here's another bad song, I guess. That can only be... That's the only way that I understand the joke. Because he's just listing celebrity names that happen to have some Jewish ancestry in a loose rhyming scheme to absolutely no melody. And that's the Hanukkah song. But it's the only Hanukkah song that I've ever heard played on the radio. You know, I'll say that. That's true. Well, I think I think part of it is just that, like, Jewish songs of, of celebration sound too Jewish, you know? They're <laughs> not for, pub they're not for, like, mass consumption. I mean, I think, you know, Hanukkah Oh, Hanukkah, you know, I think that's like a great song or, or Sivivone or, you know, there are other songs, but they're too klezmery. They're too, you know, they're too ethnic. Ah. You know, you can't play them for a mass audience. Uh, the only like ethnically specific holiday song that gets played on the radio is like the Christmas donkey song. And that one might even be racist. Yeah. I don't even know. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, there's Feliz Navidad, you know. Feliz Navidad. Yeah, that's, a, that's another one. Uh, but yeah, I guess. I, I, I just don't think you want to like broadcast too Jewy of songs. Could could you make it a little more secular, a little more American, a little more mass consumption? Yeah, and that's what Adam Sandler is. He's mass consumption. Absolutely right. And and he literally made a song <laughs> that is just about Hanukkah, but really it's just about people who are vaguely Jewish. And it's celebrity. It's celebrity culture. Right. And the fact that Jews feel left out during Christmas. Time. Right. Right. And that's the running theme through all of these television representations that we're going to see. The first of which is, of course, the iconic Rugrats Hanukkah episode, 1996. Ah. I mean, this is all we had. You have to understand, like, we were kids. This was all we had. This is all that existed. And we we watched it. We had it on VHS. We watched it every year, pretty much, for the first, I don't know, 10 years of my life. <laughs> And, uh, and, and it was a, it was a big, it was a big part of Jewish identity was that there was this one show where the lead character was Jewish on his mother's side. Uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, it's an interfaith family as will be the, the trend for almost every episode on this list, but, yeah. but he celebrates, he lights candles and he's got, you know, these really ethnically specific grandparents of grandpa Boris and, uh, Bubby, Bubby Minkas. But yeah, so he's, he's got these really, you know, old world Jewish Russian. grandparents, Russian Jewish grandparents. So that gives us this, this portal into telling ancient Bible stories through the Rugrats, which I'm sure Christians right. love too for, for, at least for the Passover one or, uh, you know, right. some of the other episodes. But I mean, Hanukkah is very specifically Jewish. It's, it's after the point at which Christians stop caring about, you know, Jewish history. <laughs> Right. But it, it's interesting because this really does start the trend of, you know, we have this main character who, you know, their last name isn't Goldstein. So how could they possibly be Jewish? Ah, it's their mom. Their mom is Jewish. Well, I, Pickles, to me, sounds like a very Jewish last name. I know. So it's not a great Pickles, example. Pickles has always sounded... I know. It's not. It's not. But, you know, I, I think that's a, a large part of um, why we tend to see... It 
it being passed down on the mother's side beside besides the the uh, Jewish tradition that if your mother is Jewish then you're a real Jew quote unquote whatever whatever right I, I think it's I think it's more of that it's like well we only need one Jewish character to make this character be able to celebrate this holiday yeah exactly and we don't have to you know walk on eggshells with when we have another episode that's a Christmas episode right and say like oh well this character wouldn't celebrate Christmas or wouldn't have a Christmas tree right or wouldn't you know wouldn't write a letter to Santa or whatever no they can do it all <laughs> there's no there's you know the tokenism of the mother or the grandmother on the uh-huh. mother's side you know lets us get away with a lot in in these episodes yeah so what actually happens in the Rugrats episode how do they do it uh you know it starts off with Grandpa Boris reading them the beginnings of the Hanukkah story at home as they prepare and make latkes to go to synagogue or, or is it the synagogue or is at the yeah. like retirement center. It's the cinema bob, Hannah. The cinema bob. <laughs> the cinema bob, excuse me. <laughs> Uh, but so, you know, they, they go to, um, they go to see their grandparents basically put on a play. Uh, and it's very adorable. I wish, I wish there was more of that when we were kids, unless our grandparents being like, why don't you guys put on a play? Like, (laughs) no, grandma, why don't you put on a play? Let's see you dress up in a way. What about you? Um, but so, you know, they, they get confused about the meaning of Hanukkah and mishear it as the meanie of Hanukkah. Uh, right. and they think there's someone bullying their grandpa. And so... Which, in a sense, there kind of is. Uh, yeah. Grandpa Boris has this old friend named Shlomo who is uh, sort of this businessman who's always, you know, holding it over Boris. Uh, you know, I've got this great business and all oh, the the critics love my performances. Yeah. King Antiochus. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, I'm so much better than you. And then Boris is like, oh, yeah, well, you don't have any kids <laughs> or grandkids. So you're sad and lonely. But it turns out in the end that he was sad and lonely. And then yeah. Grandpa Boris is like... <laughs> Oops, I've screwed up. And so then he sort of shares his grandkids yeah. with <laughs> with Shlomo. But uh, but that's just the adults plot. Right. Meanwhile, Angelica is from Tommy's he, he's his dad's side cousin, which is is not Jewish. Uh, so she's just trying to watch the Cynthia Christmas special the entire time. But even Angelica learns the the meaning of Hanukkah, which is, you know, stick little guy f- standing up to the the big mighty powerful and and the miracle of the oil lasting for eight nights and you know is that the message the 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 standing up to someone bigger and stronger than you is that what she learns yeah well no she doesn't learn that but you know she's like eh whatever christmas it's 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 just sort of like she learns that there are other stories besides the christmas stories on tv there's also old men reading to you from ancient books, um, right. you know, stories, which can be good stories. And I think, you know, the Hanukkah story at its core is a pretty simple and easy to understand one. It's Star Wars, you know, yeah. it's it's there's the big army and then there's the little army of rebels and then the little army of rebels beats the big army. And the historical exactly. truth of it isn't that important. We kind of push that to the side right. and then it becomes this thing of, I don't know, when it's being promoted in the early days it sort of becomes this Zionist thing of like we were protecting our homeland from invaders and trying to establish the historical record of Jews being in Jerusalem but it's a whole other story and then after the Holocaust it becomes this whole thing this like uh, allegory for religious freedom which is not really what the story was about it wasn't about religious freedom so much as just Jewish self you know uh, Jewish ownership of the homeland so I don't know the meaning changes with the ages but i think as of now right but i i think the the miracle aspect is right. is sort of the reason why we're celebrated in in the first part quote unquote right yeah the the, the miracle thing i think becomes the, how we narrativize it today is that it's like a time where god can do things that are slightly miraculous but not that miraculous right more or less just keeping things on that should be switched off we'll see a few examples of that uh, they're great they're great guys just they're so good (laughs) but uh you know in in this case really it all just comes down to family and of course uh stew pickles tries to build a giant robot menorah that explodes (laughs) 
Yeah. So that's that's the story. That's that's Rugrats Hanukkah. It's great. Go watch it. Uh, you can find it online in various places. What's next on our our Hanukkah special tour? Right. I mean, there's certainly there are other episodes that just sort of mention Hanukkah like briefly. I think Seinfeld is is maybe the one that we'll bring up from that category because I think it has thematic resonance outside of that. Sure. In in the Seinfeld season nine episode, The Strike, it opens at a Hanukkah party hosted by uh, Tim Watley, otherwise known as Brian Cranston, you know, uh, and, and he was like the dentist who converted to Judaism for the jokes. Everyone knows this episode, right? At least all the Jews who I assume are listening to this <laughs> to this podcast. I mean, I I know very little about Seinfeld beyond like the, the top level, and I did not know that... <laughs> That this is who the character was. Right. Well, he's that. That's his character. Is he's the dentist. He converts to Judaism, and then you know Jerry Seinfeld t- tells a dentist-themed joke, and uh-huh. Kramer calls him an anti-dentite. That's a different episode. Oh my god! In this episode, this is the one where we get introduced to Festivus. So George Costanza's dad, played by Jerry Stiller, has created this holiday against the sec the uh, against the religious aspects of Christmas, and also against against the commercialism. So this is something slightly unique about this episode is that a lot of episodes talk about being like against the commercialism of the holiday, but this one's also against the religiousness of the holiday, the specifically Christian nature of the holiday. And so he creates Festivus, which removes all of the flair of Christmas. Instead of a tree, you have a right. an aluminum pole. Instead of exchanging gifts, you exchange grievances, which is to me seems very Jewish. Yeah. And uh, you have the feats of strength, where your your dad tackles you to the ground, and you can't uh, you can't. You can't leave until it's finished. It doesn't end until you pin him. Yeah. Uh, It's very ridiculous. Uh, But it's Festivus. Right. So, but I mean, the idea of like a new holiday being invented to to confront uh, Christmas, I think is something very thematically resonant with these episodes. Sure. Which is why even though it only has that one mention of Hanukkah in the beginning, I still think it's worth bringing up. (laughs) All right. What's the next one? I mean, also from... You know, that sort of late 90s time period, we get uh, the nanny, Fran Drescher, <laughs> just coming in. Yes, Mr. Sheffield. Another interfaith marriage. Another. Uh huh. It's the first night of Hanukkah, and she really wants to spend it with a new husband and family, but he goes on a trip to Boston. And now I'll stop doing that accent so <laughs> Thank God. our podcast listeners don't immediately. <laughs> turn this off (laughs) and you know it's it's her complaining with her her mother and her friends about like oh we I I always wanted to celebrate with family but we never really had a family and now he's gone away and what will I do and then there's like a car crash and uh, we we get our miracle in this one yeah uh, where there was enough oil in the car to keep it warm for one hour but it lasted for eight oh <laughs> You're going to see a lot like that. It's it's very lazy writing, but it, it works. It works. It's fine. It gets the point across. It's fine. It's it's surface. And like the significance that it's a holiday is just on the holidays, you should skip work and be with your family. It's a classic, right. you know, yeah. wonderful life. Uh, but not quite It's a Wonderful Life. More no, just like... I'm just saying it's gesturing at that. Yeah. The, the working on Christmas trope is so... It's so common for sitcoms. And then, yeah. of course, at the end, they always say, you know what? I would rather be with my family. And then they come back together. Yeah. I was interested in, like, okay, so the nanny by season six has just abandoned its premise entirely. It's no longer about a nanny in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, she has just married Mr. Sheffield now. She's just... A mother in a totally normal family yeah. in a house that has a butler because it was the 90s and you could get away with butlers <laughs> in that time. <laughs> uh. Also, Ray Charles is there. Yes, as like her mother's boyfriend. In like his last fictional live action role that he ever did, it was this episode. Um, really? Because this was his last appearance on The Nanny and then he didn't really do anything else. Except he was in the Blues Clues uh, home video movie, the, the Blues Clues wow. musical special. Damn, go Ray Charles. Who knew? Ray Charles, he, he did acting as well. <laughs> 
a multi-talented man. And he plays uh, Home for the Holidays, which could be construed as a secular sort of holiday song. Yeah. Uh, even though it's clearly a Christmas song. Yeah. <laughs> well, because there's no good Hanukkah songs, David. Right. You know, Ray Charles can't can't sing Sivy Bone. <laughs> Well, yeah, I just I don't know if he would sound uh, sound Jewish enough. Could, would he would his style of music work with klezmer? <laughs> Fuck yeah! Are you kidding me? Like, there's there's a lot of uh, collaboration between between uh, you know black and Jewish musicians. <laughs> right, but soul klezmer maybe not. I'd be willing to hear it. Let's do it if, if we have any good. any any aspiring. Uh... <laughs> Soul singers and klezmer uh, saxophonists. Yeah. Get together in our comment section and then create music. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got the Even Stevens with our favorite Shia LaBeouf. This one, we we talked about this, I believe, in our our Christmas special one, or we, we've definitely talked about it before. I, If we did, I forgot about it, but it definitely has the same plot as most of our Christmas special special episodes. Yeah. It's literally just a Christmas story, or not a Christmas story. Um, it, it's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. It's basically just It's a Wonderful Life. Um where, you know, Shia LaBeouf's character accidentally breaks all the Hanukkah presents and gets grounded from Hanukkah, and he's like, oh, then my family would be better off if I just was never born. Right. And then it turns out they just have a shitty, bratty son instead who's, like, abusive to all of them. Right. And gets away with it somehow. <laughs> it's it's sort of a, you know, justifying the punching bag uh, episode. I think, you know, it's, yeah. this is kind of a trope where you've got, you know, Steven, or his name is not Stephen, what is his name? No, it's Lewis. Lewis is uh, his his role in the family is to be the screw up, right? And to be the goofball that everyone you know is annoyed by. And whereas his his older sister and older brother are huge successes in academics and athletics, respectively. But the joke is, if he wasn't there. <coughs> But the joke is, if he wasn't there, uh, then they would would be the losers, and they would be the 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 bottom of the the, the tier. Burnouts. They'd be the burnouts, and they would get the shit. So I don't know. It's like it's a very strange episode. Is that a justification for bullying your yeah. son? I don't know. I don't know. It's very strange. But it, again, it ends on the note of, eh, you're not really grounded from Hanukkah. Come down, <laughs> and and there's like a magical grandma who fixes all the Hanukkah presents. So it's. All all okay right. in the end. Yeah, I, I like that the that instead of an angel, it's the ghost of the great great grand Bubby Rose. Bubby Rose, <laughs> just clearly just a much younger woman in a horrible prosthetic old people makeup. Right. So I mean, we definitely have in this episode, you know, they do all the Hanukkah things. Yeah. But importantly, it's always in reference to Christmas. Right. It's gesturing at Christmas, saying, "Well, we're going to have Christmas later, yeah. and we're and." We're we're, we're acknowledging that, and also we're gonna do a Christmas themed movie parody, but it's Jewish, now. right? Like it's very it's very strange. So so that's even Stevens, and that this now we're into two thousand. So we're at the the turn of the millennia. <laughs> right. Uh, we get this, and we get Friends, which everyone knows is the the holiday armadillo episode. Yeah, I didn't know about this. I I'm not you a didn't know friends about the... head. I'm not a friends head. I mean, I don't know that much about Friends, but even I knew about the holiday armadillo. <laughs> where uh, Ross is trying to teach his son about Hanukkah because he has him for the holidays this year. And, uh, you know, his son is disappointed that Santa isn't going to come visit. So at the last minute, he tries to get a, a Santa costume, but all they have is an armadillo. Uh, and so he's, he, you know, he's almost got him excited about Hanukkah and the Maccabees. And then Chandler comes in dressed as Santa. Womp, womp. And then, you know, they have to work it out and they, Santa's like, all right, you you come sit with me and we'll both listen to the holiday armadillo talk about Hanukkah. Right. And then, of course, Joey comes in dressed as Superman. Oh, you know, and it's hijinks ensue. Right. So again, we have this, this thing of interfaith raising of children, which is particularly, you know, kind of a weird thing with Ross because he like only sees his kid like once a season. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, For like three times. 
Okay. Well, we'll be generous. That's being generous. You know, the, uh, the Dylan and Cole Sprouse uh, kid of his, right? That's who it is. Is right? it it's, them? No, it's yeah. not. No, it's Zach no and way. Cody. It's Zach and is Cody. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, okay, shit. It was them. They were Ben. Who knew? Me. I didn't. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's the the Sprouse twins and <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so I mean, I guess again we have this criticism of Hanukkah that it's not enough like Christmas, that it doesn't have the same natural magnetism of Santa and sleighs and these things. These are the things that make my mother's skin crawl, you know? The idea that we need like a mascot or a Hanukkah Harry or a Hanukkah Bush <laughs> right. or, you know, any of these things to make a holiday meaningful when the thing that should be meaningful is the traditions and the family. Right. And that's, that should be enough. Yeah. Isn't that enough for you people, for, for you kids? Dainu! Wait, wrong holiday. <laughs> um. And of course, you know, I never had a problem with that. I never felt no. Christmas envy, did you? No, no, uh, not at all. But I think, you know, it, by the time we were kids, I think Hanukkah had sort of evolved into more of a gift-giving holiday at that point. No, I mean, it was definitely, it, actually, the gift-giving begins way back in, like, the 19th century, in, like, the first big wave of Jewish immigrants. But I thought it wasn't so much, but I didn't think it was so much, like, gift gift-giving, like, the way... I thought it was more just like gelt and like... No, gelt was actually an old uh, old German thing. They would give coins to the kids to give to their teachers. Oh. But uh, I, I actually don't know when chocolate gelt started. That was later. But, but I know that... The, the the present thing was sort of a reform uh, Judaism thing okay. in the turn of the 20th century. Uh, yeah. Again, to compete with Christmas. So it's right. not that it, it's not that you're wrong about that. Um, but what really like started to change in when we were growing up was getting it into schools, getting it onto TV, mm-hmm. getting it into public broadcasting, trying to change the culture. It literally was kind of a war on Christmas. I mean, I don't want to you know acknowledge that too much, but it was sort of a war on the idea. That, it, that Christmas should be the only thing yes. in secular spaces like schools. Right, absolutely. Um, we, we also, I think, were privileged enough to grow up in a pretty um, Jewish area, you know? <laughs> Yes. Uh, and that for for a lot of people who grew up in more, um, you know, not to say that it wasn't mainly a Christian dominated place where we grew up, because it certainly was. Um, but for people who grew up where, you know, the closest synagogue was a 30 minute drive away and all the Jews from like the entire state came there, you know, like <laughs> there are there are a lot less Jewish areas out right. there. Um, and I think they they face. I mean, this is another thing is the the movement of Hanukkah from the synagogue to the home. Yeah. The, this domestication of Hanukkah. And, yeah. you know, in order to do that, you need something like presents as, like, something to graft the the home onto it and all these other traditions like the you know dreidling and and whatnot you need to bring it into the home and take it away from prayer and right. the overt judaism and and religiosity of the holiday and secularize it a bit and that's why you need our armadillo <laughs> exactly that's why you need the armadillo uh from friends um so then we we get a little bit of a gap and then 2002 to 2003 there's just like a slew of hanukkah content like it, it is just coming hot and furious off the presses. We get, we get three movies and uh, uh, and and an episode of the OC. <laughs> um, so we get Eight Crazy Nights, the Disney Channel original movie Full Court Miracle, uh, and the strangest movie, The Hebrew Hammer. Which right, The Hebrew Hammer was a yeah. parody of black exploitation films done as a Jew exploitation cop right. movie. Were you able to find this one? No, but I had watched it previously someone uh at my hillel in college had a like dvd copy of it and we screened it um right. i don't think it's very good personally no it's it's not entertaining it's it's just kind of bad you know when i said that jewish humor is humor with the word jew slapped on it i mean i think that that's pretty much like the dictionary definition of it is hebrew hammer yeah <laughs> uh that or space balls <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. But Eight Crazy Nights, I think, has the only, is the only real Hanukkah movie to be released theatrically. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that's that's a fair statement to make. And it's the worst. It's the worst. And I think most people who have seen it at this point saw it when it would get shoved into Cartoon Network's uh, lineup of uh, holiday Christmas movies. Really? During yeah, the day that's where or I... during Adult Swim? No, it wasn't. They, it was like a censored version. Heavily censored, uh, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. It was definitely, it was like sometime in that, like, it wasn't quite at Adult Swim yet, but it was still, it was there. And I think ABC Family maybe played it uh, as part of their 25 Days of Christmas. I saw it on both channels. Oof. I've seen it on both. Okay, I believe you. I just, I feel like I need to go look <laughs> at that scheduling and be like, how did you not get so many complaints? Because this movie is about an alcoholic yeah. dumping shit on an old man for an hour and a half yes and then saying i'm really sorry and then getting the girl yep uh and sort of embracing hanukkah a little bit at the end but like not no, really not even really <laughs> not even really not even relevant to the story hanukkah yeah. the the eight nights thing it's not like there's a time limit at the end of hanukkah or anything it's just god why has no one made some like crazy fantasy hanukkah movie where it's like cinderella where on the eighth night of hanukkah like everything crumbles or something like it's got a built-in timer. David, we need to write the next great Hanukkah movie. Right. Well, I mean, I've always... I, I, I like Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins, which, if you're watching the video, is is my background, where they've it's they've great. sort of built in the eight-day time limit. You have to last eight days in a haunted synagogue yeah. with a bunch of goblins. I mean, that's that like just screams animated movie, oh, yeah. but I think Herschel, Herschel is just too Jewish, again, for mass could consumption. They, could they change it to, like, Harry or Henry? <laughs> Hank and the Hanukkah Goblins. <laughs> or maybe, uh, you know what? Screw it. Let's be a little Jewish with it. Let like let's I'm tired of all these half measures, you know? Well, I just think they do, I just think they don't think like an old Jewish man from Russia is like much of a marketable character for kids. Um, I mean, you just make it into like a kid version of Herschel. That's all you got to do, and then it's it's fine. All right, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll pitch it. I'll 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 pitch it to uh, to. Illumination Studios, I guess. Oh uh, God! Get no. some minions in there. Just, just, just <laughs> kidding. I take it all back. If it has to be Illumination Studios, I'll just, I'll just animate it myself. It'll be better. Is Blue Sky the guys who did Ice Age? Are they still a thing? Oh, I have no idea. They would do it. Come on. Or is they? Are they now Sony Imageworks? I don't know. <laughs> we'll get a Dan Harmon studio to do it in claymation. The Starburns industry will do it. Um, all right. That's an idea. But we get a terrible uh, episode of the OC called The Best Christmaka Ever. Because there's a character who's a child of a Christian mother and a very Jewish father. And so he, he celebrates a new holiday called Christmaka. Not just Hanukkah and Christmas. It's a new holiday altogether. And you smush it together, and that's what you get. Uh, and he it's 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 classic OC drama in the background. I don't think there's really any uh, Hanukkah miracle to this. <laughs> there's a land deal. Right. There's a land deal. There's, you know, sh teenage drinking and shoplifting. Right. But that's just normal OC stuff. The real right. Chrismica thing is that they're using Hanukkah. They're using an interfaith family and a child who celebrates both Christmas and Hanukkah as a metaphor for indecision in romance because he's got two dates to the dance. No, no, no. Wait, no, of course it is. What do you mean? I mean, it's it's sort of doing that, but I th it ends on the whole note about, like, you're joining our family, Ryan, and, like, we're, we make new traditions and we make the new tradition with you. Right, no, I mean, that's definitely there, too. That's, that's, there, that's there for sure. I'm just saying, additionally, okay. there's a theme that they're playing with yeah. where they keep saying, Christmas about not having to make tough choices. Christmas right. is about getting the good and the great, you know, the silver and the gold. Yeah. Make new friends and keep the old. Uh, and it's about it's about dating two hot hot girls who have different personalities. Two hot girls who are, who are into your interests and do really cool things for you. Uh, uh, but you just can't decide, and so you decide to be friends with them, and neither of them want to be your friend. They just they just want to kiss you. Right. 
I mean, I, I guess that's like the the best possible ending for that storyline, but it's yeah, absolutely. It's not a good storyline in in my mind. I just find it so obnoxious the two dates to the prom, but even dragging it out even further, this like truce of who's allowed to date this amazing guy. So incredible. Is it okay? I don't know. Is it okay to go back to Eight Crazy Nights for a second? Yeah, we can go back. Yeah, I just feel like we glossed over it because it was such this like cultural landmark thing. It was. It was a thing. I just really wanted to make it clear that also in Eight Crazy Nights, Dylan and Cole Sprouse are both in it. <laughs> what? Where? Who do they play in Eight Crazy there's, Nights? There's this big song because also the joke of Eight Crazy Nights is that the holidays have become really commercialized. Yes. So there's a whole rhyme about the mall and how great it is where they literally name drop all of their product placement one after another. And it's like uh, footwear and Panda Express and uh, come to Sears. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this is so on the nose. It's not funny. Um... Too, too on the nose. Right. And then at the end of the movie, he's like drunk and he's hallucinating and he bursts into the mall and all of the mascots and logos of the different places come to life. And it's, I think the KB Toys. Is that the name okay. of that place that no longer exists anymore? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So KB, the KB Toys, like wooden soldiers come to life and they're Dylan and Cole Sprouse. So I wanted to okay. make that clear. There uh, also, there's this... There's this theme of basketball, which is Jews and basketball. We love... Jews fucking love basketball, <laughs> man. I don't know what's up with it. I mean, we always, like, tell the story that we, like, invented it or something. Or we were, like, we were the first professional basketball players. I mean, there just were a lot of... Jew there was a lot of Jewish enthusiasm for it. But there's also a lot of Jewish enthusiasm for baseball. So, like, I don't know. Jews just want to be included. We love to be included um but but jews and basketball at the jcc that's like a big thing um i think both of our dads and and my brother <laughs> did jcc basketball at a time i think i did jcc basketball for like one winter season i think i did too i just have blocked it from my memory <laughs> <laughs> You can't escape basketball as a Jewish youth. Uh, you know, it's it's very fun living in Brooklyn. I often will go to my local park, which has a basketball court, and the two groups of people playing there are like local black kids and local Jewish kids. Like right. that's that's who's playing on the courts. Uh, so so basically, like Adam Sandler in Eight Crazy Nights, he's drunk because his parents died in a car accident and no one took care of him. Really, he just yeah. wanted to foster homes, and then he lost touch with his you know teen romance, romantic interest, uh, who then became a single mother. And so then the way that he reconnects with her her is by playing basketball with her kid and so it comes full circle and that's how yeah. he redeems himself and then he really redeems himself when he instead of running from the police to avoid prison time he gets he yells in, at everyone that they should be really nice to this basketball coach who everyone makes fun of because he's short and hairy and ugly and has one foot that's smaller than the other yeah. and he talks in an Adam Sandler voice because he's played by Adam Sandler um, <laughs> and he lives with his sister who is also voiced by Adam Sandler yeah so that's how he redeems himself. And the film ends with a shot of this old man having a seizure because he's so happy that he won yeah. this patch that signifies that he's the most beloved man in town. All right. The point it's, is, it's it's a it's nonsensical film. It's, it was written in an afternoon, and there's a lot of shots of magical reindeer eating shit. Um, yes. Yeah. There's just so much poop in this movie. It's, yeah. like, absurd. Yeah. Frozen, frozen poop, poop, explosion, poop, poop everything. A lot of vomit, too. Just, like, it's so scatological, uh, and I, I've just never been a fan. Right. Well, it was 2002. We, we, we all remember 2002, don't we? Yeah, I mean, things are still scatological now, you know? Like, Not like they were. <laughs> Not even Not close. like it used to be. Bad Bad Santa 2? Are you kidding me? Not even close to Bad Santa 1. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Continuing the theme of basketball and Jews, right? <laughs> and Hanukkah. That's the real connective tissue that we're apparently seeing. Yeah. Is Jew, Hanukkah, 
Basketball. Basketball. L'chaim. Full Court Miracle is Luck of the Irish, but with Jews. Yeah, it's like <laughs> weird Luck of the Irish. Um, they just find a random black dude who's good at basketball and was kind of pro, and these rich Jewish kids start paying him secretly, but then everyone finds out, and at first they're like, playing basketball? That means you won't be a doctor! How dare you! But then they decide to hire the, the nice black man anyway, and uh, they invite him to shop dinner and he eats gefilte fish and right. uh you know ask for milk I told my brother the plot of this movie and he literally didn't believe me that it exists because what? it sounds like it sounds made up as a premise that it's it's all of these it's it's all of these Jews at a um at an orthodox you know shul at, yeshiva, at a yeshiva in Philadelphia in Philadelphia and they meet a UVA grad my 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 brother is also a UVA grad um who loves basketball my brother loves basketball and and the the UVA grad is trying out for the 76ers which is my brother's team well he, he wants to but he had knee surgery and so he doesn't know if uh if he'll be able to do it right he's trying out that's what I was saying I just it didn't make any sense for you to say he's preparing he hopes he can he, he's trying out for them it's a it's like an audition but for basketball I know but I'm saying that part of his struggle is that he had knee surgery oh, I so see. He, he's nervous right uh yeah, and he's also homeless uh, in addition to his nervousness. And he's living yeah. out of his van until it's time for him to come in. And so there's a whole thing of we got to get him a house and we got to get him, you know, a job and we got to, you know, fake all this paperwork. And uh, and it's it's all because he is a miracle. He's a Hanukkah miracle because... He's the reincarnation of Judah Maccabee. Right. Well, they at first they think he's the ghost of Judah yeah. Maccabee. His name is Lamont Carr and he's, his nickname was The Hammer and he has like uh, a license plate that says JM165 which is like the year that the war ended and Judah Maccabee's initials. Conspiracy. He has the right number of brothers. But the, you know, it's all fucking pointless. The point is yeah. just that he's a professional basketball player who they met and then paid 20 bucks to coach their basketball team. But they have to keep paying him 20 bucks and they help him right. fix his car and, and blah, blah, blah. And of course, you know, there's the, the grumpy mom doctor who's like, you have to be a doctor. And there's the, the mean secretary who's like, no basketball in the hallways. Uh, but they all come around at the end, and uh, there's there's a girl sort of involved, but not really. Not really. She just kind of leaves and then comes back uh, yeah. with no incentive to. But there's a miracle yeah. in that he tries out for, uh, for the 76ers, and he makes it. But then his car breaks down on the day of the big game. But it's both his big game and the kid's big game. Right? No, I think it's after his big game. It's after his big game, but still during the kid's big game. And his car breaks down. Right, and there's a thunderstorm. Lightning strikes his car. <laughs> or something. And God himself decrees, you must coach this children's basketball team full of white yeah. white Jewish kids. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so then the the mom finally accepts that his son wants to be a basketball player and brings the the hammer back to finish coaching the final game. Right, but the the miracle is that you know they're playing the big bullies from the beginning <laughs> who kick their butt and they're like, haha, you'll never make it to the finals. And lo and behold, they've made it to the finals. And they the power goes out and there's a backup generator and they're like, okay, when the backup generator goes out, then we'll call the game there, no matter. <laughs> who's ahead and uh you know the they we get a like second miracle of there's only enough oil in the generator for one more minute but it lasts eight more minutes and they get to finish the basketball game and they win hooray this is this is honestly my favorite of those kind of miracles for these episodes though yeah I mean, that's delightful <laughs> The lights uh, stayed on for the basketball match, even though yeah. they were trying to run out the clock with their with their evil timeout. Uh, 
evil, <laughs> evil timeout. But so, my, my favorite character from this one was definitely the rabbi, who I guess is also like the history teacher, question mark. Sure. You're, they're understaffed at yeshivas. I guess. Uh, but so, he's just like, oh, yeah, you, you guys found a basketball coach? All right, I can make this work. You know, like, just totally working, scheming with these children uh, and, and fully on board with making this basketball team his highest priority at the yeshiva. Uh, just found that delightful. I don't know. So believe it or not, we're like almost done. Yeah. <laughs> I, like it feels like like we should just like, I mean, I know we've been talking for a while, but it feels like we've covered like no episodes so far. I know. But we're like almost finished with all the episodes that are explicitly about Christmas or at least have like the A plot is a Christmas thing. Or Hanukkah. Uh, or sorry, Hanukkah related. <laughs> <laughs> Even I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we get a, a brothers and sisters episode from 2006. Does anybody remember this? It was a drama. It was, I think. Sally was... Fields was nominated for an Emmy for this show. I don't know if she won. But does, but do people remember it? I, I don't know, but that's what I'm saying. She was nominated for an <laughs> Emmy and I don't think anyone remembers this. I also just think the irony of the flying nun being the Jewish grandmother is <laughs> somewhat palpable. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I guess ABC dramas can just, like, exist for five seasons and then no one remembers them. I guess yeah. that's just a thing. But do they normally get nominated for Emmys? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> well, 2006 was a time of dead culture. I think... When was the writer's strike? That was, like, 2008, wasn't it? That was a couple years later. Okay. So, you can't blame it on that. But it was a bad time for television. <laughs> anyway. So, this one, we find out that, you know, it's a lot of just CW like ABC family drama stuff where right. you know a young daughter has diabetes and is like so grandma's mom was Jewish so doesn't that make us Jewish technically? So should we be praying to Jewish God instead of regular yeah. God? <laughs> and should we be celebrating Hanukkah instead of Christmas? Right and the whole reason she's like should we be praying to a different God is because she got diabetes right. which is like yikes this is rough someone needs to talk to this child about how things work um, yeah, and they do. They have a big, they have a big speech at the end. The like Jewish they uncle. They do eventually. Is like we've we've lost a lot this year, but Judaism teaches us to accept whatever obstacles are placed in front of us. Faith in God, but also faith in family and learning, yeah. and in each other and in ourselves, <laughs> and then we can live. And the oil will burn on, you know. Huzzah, huzzah. And there's another fucking land deal, just like in uh, the OC. <laughs> There's another... Dramas love land deals, David. Did you not watch enough Dallas? I think it comes from Dallas, right? Is that... That's... Did they originate the land deal as the, like, the center of drama? Is that where it comes from? Or is it from Dynasty? Or They must... They must have. It's it's that whole drama, you know? It's like, you're a mogul. Ah, well, what are you a mogul in? Well, we don't know a lot of things, but land seems basic enough. <laughs> Um, so, right. you know, just a lot of land deals. But anyway, the, the, like, issue is also that the one brother went through a drug addiction and needs to go back to being a doctor in Iraq, but doesn't want to or something. He, he needs to get clean before he can go back to Iraq. Okay. So he's fighting in court to get a three-month stay on his, you know, being drafted out of the reserves. Because he had already served in Afghanistan, and that was what, like, drove him to drug addiction. And he doesn't want to go back until he's clean. So his 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 brother, who's a lawyer, who's played by uh, Philip from The Americans, he's, like, arguing in court, uh, you know, that he should get that extra stay. And then they lose the court battle, but then they win the moral battle. You know, their arguments swayed the heart of ARMY. <laughs> Army, army cares. Army cares. U.S. military industrial complex cares, you know? Yeah, I, I don't, I think it's pretty standard drama stuff, but I think, you know, the, the key to like the, that has nothing to do with like the Hanukkah subplot. It's really, well, it's kind the of Hanukkah like subplot is about, you know, Sally Field being too, going too far with like pushing Jewishness on her granddaughter or 
is that what it is? Or just like being, yeah, kind of like being too enthusiastic. And it's like, calm down. Our daughter just wanted to like know about some Hanukkah stuff. And you're reading like Torah to her. What the fuck? And it's like, well, I mean, like, that's, uh, I agree. You introduce things in, in stages, but, uh, you know, I don't think it was entirely inappropriate. Right. I mean, just do whatever people want to do. And if you yeah. don't know what your kid wants, just do what you want to do and what you think is best. <laughs> I guess. You know, I don't think it's that complicated. This shit's hard. You have to do a whole subplot about it. But, you know, it's it was during a time when people were still being like, hey, wait, what about the Jews? Yeah, this one was very much a, hey, wait, what about the Jews? But it was also a sort of thing where it's like, do we really have to be Jewish? We're not really Jewish. Like... We're, we're, yeah. Right, we're secular humanist. We're what all TV, all TV is nobody's really religious, but everyone is kind of religious and everyone <laughs> is, everyone is somewhat secular, but not too secular. It's in this weird dance of television where you can't offend anybody. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I, I there think There weren't it's... a lot of atheists on TV, like out-and-out out atheists, but there also weren't a lot of, like, you know, evang evangelical Christians, you know. Sure. Bible, biblical right. literalists or, or fundamentalists. Yes, not a lot of biblical literalists, but it's just like that, you know, casual Christian hegemony of TV. Right, it, was, it defaulted to sort of secular Christianity. Yeah. And then... Or, or And then when there's Judaism, it defaults to secular Judaism because it's TV and you just don't want anybody who's that spooky, scary, orthodox, you know, orthodox people are scary. You don't want someone talking about God in your sitcom, man. It, it, it harshes the vibe. It does it harsh the vibe, the vibe for some people. And it's like, oh, you're yeah. pushing something on my children who are watching yeah. this show for some reason. But, you know, the only orthodox characters that I really do see are this one really stereotyped, awful stereotype of, a, of, a, of an orthodox person in the league. Oh, God. My brother watches the league. I, I think that it might be watchable if you are really into fantasy football. Uh, I mean, and if you don't know what fantasy football is, like me, the dialogue is inscrutable and the characters are all loud and obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, I think even as someone who who does have a sense of what, like, fantasy football is and, you know, has known people who have played and had conversations about it, it's still just, like, hot garbage and just, like, like it just seems like one of those edgy shows that's like, how, how offensive can we be? <laughs> you know, like, that's, like, half the joke of that. Right. I mean, I like... Nick, I like Nick Kroll most of the time. I, I normally find him funny. Most of the time, not here. Uh, but also, we're just watching one episode out of, yeah. you know, a hundred. So it's, you know, we're on season five of the show. Maybe this is a lull. We'll give it the benefit of the doubt. But yeah. this is like a really unfunny episode where uh, Nick Kroll is trying to get Jason Montsukis to be Jewish because his son, uh, who's estranged from him, loves Jason Montsukis and will do whatever he does. But in order to get him to be Jewish, he convinces Jason Monsukis that he has to convert to Judaism in order to have sex with Nick Kroll's sister, who is Orthodox. But it works. And then it works. And uh, there's a lot of jokes about circumcision, and there's jokes about being kosher, and there's jokes about working on the Sabbath, and they're all pretty anti-Semitic, yeah. but, you know, playfully sort of self-referentially anti-Semitic in that very Nick Kroll way. Yeah. This one's also not really Hanukkah-y. It's like, it's like Christmas there's a Christmas pageant, but there's like nothing really explicitly um, like Hanukkah that happens in there, except that like they they mention it like twice. Except that there's yeah they're celebrating they're celebrating Hanukkah at the time that the episode takes place, and this there's this Orthodox Jewish character yeah. who is you know who is there. Yeah. <laughs> But again, we have... That's about it for Hanukkah and the League. Right. But again, we have, you know, this thing of children, shared custody, interfaith marriages, struggle over the next generation that we must keep them, keep them Jewish, keep them aware of their Judaism. As if that doesn't just always happen, you know, as people get older. Well, because it doesn't always happen. I mean, everybody, like, learns about it. Like, everyone knows what Hanukkah is. They can Google it, you know? It's not difficult. Right. But I'm, I, like, there's... But the idea that they celebrate it and that they associate that yeah. with their childhood. That's what we're fighting over. Not, like, whether they know the story, but whether they internalize it. Right. And whether yeah. they accept their Jewish identity because they are they are a battle of identities. I don't know what my point is, but I think there's something there. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, well, I mean, we the only two episodes on this list that are not about that battle of identities necessarily, uh, where, you know, just everyone is Jewish uh, right. <laughs> the whole time. Is, the only non-interfaith couple. Yeah, is the Goldbergs. We get the Goldbergs. They're just Jewish. Right. So it kind of comes full, cir- full circle to the first <laughs> Jewish family on TV and then the last Jewish family. Jewish family. Maybe not the last. <laughs> They're both the Goldbergs, though. Um, Well, that's what I'm saying. uh, So, you know, so this episode of um, the Goldbergs is very much like, there's no such thing as a Hanukkah bush, Sandy Goldstein. Uh, And they literally have, like, a a Hanukkah bush in this episode where, you know, the mom is like, we're doing family wrong. No one, no one likes doing Hanukkah. Oh, no. Right. It's, again, it's about Christmas envy. It's not like Christmas. Yeah. Right. It's very much Christmas envy. But it's, but it's also, there's like a class element to it where they're jealous, largely because it seems like these other families have a lot of wealth to like f- fling at the holidays and they're operating on a budget. But I don't know. It's it, There's nothing subversive about it. It's just, look, there's, we're going to do, we're going to do all of the Christmas traditions and then call them Hanukkah things. We're going to have Hanukkah Harry, a Hanukkah Bush, Hanukkah socks instead of uh, uh, stockings hung on the mantle. Um, you know, tinsel and lights. And, and all that. And then and then it, it becomes, okay, the grandfather comes in and says, this is this is terrible, this is offensive to your ancestors, This I'm here to make you feel guilty. Which, that's the true meaning of the holiday, is guilting someone into following traditions that they no longer find enjoyable. Great. That's Judaism in a nutshell, isn't it? I, I mean, I would disagree. Uh, but we have different relationships to Judaism. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, that's uh, certainly a cultural understanding that this show is pushing. Yeah, but I I mean, you know, he... It all sort of falls apart, and in the end we find out that the perfect Christian family, you know, it was not a perfect holiday there either, and you know, the mom is like, okay, I should I should appreciate what I do have and the traditions that are special to my family. Um, But, you know, I think maybe figuring out that maybe I don't give my kids raisins, maybe I do give them gifts that uh, they actually are interested in. They want. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's, there's other things in there, like, of course, they watch the the movie The Christmas Story every year, because that's their tradition, even though they are Jewish, so there is some, like, the culture of Christmas is more powerful than the culture of Hanukkah yeah. in the childhood memory of these characters who are written by, you know, written, written by Jews who have memories of not really giving that much of a shit about Hanukkah, nor should they. Hanukkah is not the biggest Jewish holiday. It's no. a minor one. It just happens to coincide with the month that Christmas is in. Which is why the next uh, episode is also about fighting to get Hanukkah into schools. It's the war on Christmas again. Yeah, Um, yeah. It's called Hanukkah Solo because it is both about Star Wars and about singing a solo in the school Christmas choir holiday, what do you call it? Holiday pageant. There's no good Hanukkah songs. I mean, this was always a bother of mine, I I will say. As someone who sang a lot of Latin Catholic choral arrangements uh, in high school, and knowing that there were some beautiful uh, Hebrew arrangements of great prayers, and just never having that even considered as as something to bring in, um, you know, for for a holiday concert. Right. Uh, you know, like, it is. You're, you're really left with a couple of of small, uh, you know, general holiday songs. There's the classic Let It Snow. Um, yeah. And then you get, like, maybe the dreidel song or, like, one sort of, like, folkloric Jewish chant that someone's like, this is fun, we'll sing this. Uh, and, and that's about it. And you never sing Jewish songs at any other time of year. Right. And so it, it, it does feel like this is the chance. This is not that. But I will this say... This is a big straw man of what you're talking about. Right. It's a, it's a huge straw man where they're just saying like, all right, oh, so you're saying you don't want to sing the, the dreidel song every year? The dreidel song. Then that means that what you want is that there's no Christmas songs whatsoever. And we have to rewrite all the Christmas songs as secular songs, uh, such as Secular Night and Oh Winter Time and Here Comes Uncle Doug instead of Here Comes Santa Claus. So... 
you know, total strawman not based on anything. Yeah. Total war on Christmas narrative. Yeah. So stupid. And then they are like, okay, well, maybe the, the kids can compose a Hanukkah song. And it's like, no, that's also stupid. Kids can't compose shit. They're bad at songs. One of them does write a Hanukkah rap. Uh... And then the B plot is that uh, the the nerdy kid he watches the Star Wars holiday special and he realizes that Star Wars is terrible, which it is. Oh my god! And then he watches Howard the Duck and realizes that George Lucas is terrible, which he is. Yeah. Uh, but then he rediscovers his love for kitsch media, which is good because all kitsch media, including Star Wars and Howard the Duck. Is actually good. So he basically just went through the five stages of a YouTube media critic uh, in like a half an hour, which is great. Is that a is that a term? The the five stages of being a YouTube critic? Because I it is now. I've just invented it. <laughs> I would very much <laughs> like to do an episode on that uh, sometime in the future because that's definitely a real thing. Absolutely. And definitely is worth talking about. Totally. But that's the Goldbergs, right? Yeah, and that's that's our whole list of Hanukkah of Hanukkah episodes. Um, yeah, I mean, of course there are other episodes that mention it. There are other episodes that feature it heavily. There's an Elena of Avalor episode that I was not going oh. to watch uh, because it's Elena of Avalor. There was uh, what's with the What's with the hate? for Elena of Avalor. I don't, I don't know. It's just very young children. For very, very young children. Younger than, right. you know, Blue's Clues age. Th- right. That's that's what I would say is that, um, you know, even though Rugrats features babies, it was definitely a show that was enjoyed by people who were older than babies. It was written by, like, Simpsons um, writers, right? I mean, like... Right. <laughs> by people who knew what adults... Fun. Right, right. So, you know, it, it was more along the lines, it was aired at the same time as your Spongebobs and your, your uh, you know, rocket powers and whatever. Right. Um, but, like, a lot of early education holiday material does sort of exist, but those are very simplistic. Um, they're all usually very kitschy, very educational in their uh, intent, you know? Right. As opposed to just pure entertainment value for either the whole family or older an older audience. Now, I mean, a lot of these episodes still get featured in, like, the holiday episode advertisements while I was watching episodes on Hulu. Uh, the OC episode and the and the Goldbergs episodes were, were all featured in the, the Christmas, uh, Christmas episode advertisement for Hulu and then for HBO Max and then for, you know, all these different places that they want to advertise. We have holiday specials for everybody, including also the Jews. Uh, so there's still they still have cultural relevance to some extent, but really they found that a better strategy for marketing episodes for people to actually watch is to just have a token Jewish character who in one shot lights a menorah to show that you're yep. not excluding anyone on right. purpose. Uh, <laughs> and then the rest of your characters... It's just the main characters aren't Jewish. Right. So, of course, they do Christmas. Right. So, I mean, I think that's fine. I mean, I like the way that Community does it where literally everyone celebrates Christmas, but everyone also has their own shtick. You hate it. I don't know. I feel like the way community does it is a little bit lazy, personally. But I, I also just find that the characterization of Annie as Jewish um, just falls flat because it's never brought up outside of, like, very specific contexts. Um, you know, and, like, there's nothing casually Jewish. I mean, not everyone's Jewish. I know. Not, not everyone's overtly Jewish all the time. I know, but, like, she's not even a little bit casually Jewish. It's just, like, I'm only Jewish when it comes to, like, Hanukkah or Shirley trying to convert me. My grandmother. Like, right. you know. Well, I, okay. Fair fair enough, I guess. I, 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 don't, I don't know that this is something I would bother getting uh, critical about. I don't think this show needs to get canceled. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a great representation of Jewish people in media. That's all. Okay. I, I guess I'm just saying if that's if that's what we're going to get for the most part when it comes to Hanukkah as a representation is tokenism. Yeah, it's a lot of tokenism. Yeah. I'm honestly not that miffed about it. I don't love it. I, I, I could take it or leave it. I, I don't love it, but, you know... I'm too jaded to expect anything more <laughs> is the reality. I mean, I think I think honestly it's better than having 
sort of half-assed Hanukkah episodes that just end up referencing Christmas. Yeah. Uh, because the point is Hanukkah is a holiday, but it's a really easy to celebrate one. Yeah. It asks very little of you. You just light some candles, you eat some delicious fried foods, mm-hmm. and then you say like one prayer and then you're yeah, done. Yeah, you're done. That's it. It's nothing. It's very simple. The story, the story is... Kind of fun. Not like a Bible story. It's, you know, it's a post-Bible story, which makes it sort of right. secondary to like the really yeah. religious ones. God shows up just a little bit at the end. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, it's not, it's, it's more of a war story. Uh, so you think there would be like the, um, sort of, that would be a hook for it more so. You'd think so, but. The fact that, you know, it's an underdog war story. As it happens, there are just other wars that people would rather make stories about more, uh, more biblical. <laughs> you know, like World War Two. We need five more, hundred more movies about that. <laughs> right, but I just, I'm just saying, nobody wants to make a, a Judah Maccabee movie, really. Nobody's that interested in this particular story. Well, I think, you know, the, there's not a huge consumer appetite because the consumer appetite is Christian and it's. <laughs> It's not interested. Jews are not a huge demographic. Right. I mean, I th- I think it's I think it's, I think it's coming from both ends. I think that you know J- Jews who are writing in Hollywood today don't really want to write. <laughs> A Hanukkah movie either. I don't think that's on the top of their priority list. No, I, I don't think that's necessarily the top of anyone's priority list. However, I think, you know, it, it's just that the Jewish community is so small. <laughs> like, right, but we're, but we're big in Hollywood, pop, you know. We, we, have, we are big in Hollywood. We have stories about Judaism yes. told in Hollywood. I mean, the Seth Rogen pickle movie or whatever, <laughs> you know, very recent example. Right. And he's a very Herschel. Avastrophal. Herschel figure. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Just how about, how about Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins? I'm going to pitch it again, honestly. Seth Rogen cast as Herschel of Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. And he get all his <laughs> terrible comedian friends to play all the goblins. Uh, and it'll be great. And there'll be a sexy goblin. I'd watch it. I, uh, and it'll be perfect. Okay, maybe not a sexy goblin. but No, no David, there, if, if we're casting Seth Rogen, there's going to be a sexy goblin. I don't think that's negotiable. It's in his contract. I just, uh, you know, I, we can... We can do things we can make stories we can use hanukkah it's not a worthless holiday but it's it's always going to be playing second fiddle to christmas yeah that's just an eternal thing and including the fact that we're doing a hanukkah episode but and next week we'll probably do a christmas one so. <laughs> so if we missed your favorite hanukkah episode or your favorite representation of uh, a holiday that's not Christmas. Uh, tweet at us at Talking Tropes. We want to hear it, really. Yeah, or or comment because we might do a, a Kwanzaa episode next year. We might we might do all the Kwanzas next. Yeah, year. we'll do all of them, all <laughs> ten of them, probably. Four. If this list is anything <laughs> to go off of. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. I hope you and your families are having safe, socially distant, uh, and and joyous holidays, despite the. The global pandemic that is still raging around us. Sorry to end on a bummer note, but uh, happy Hanukkah! Happy Hanukkah! See you next time. Bye. Frozen, frozen poop, poop explosion, poop.